You are listening to Revival Talk. I'm Pastor Terry Bailey, and I want to thank you for joining me today on the podcast. In today's message, we will be talking about fiery, fervent prayer. James chapter 5, verse 16, it's on the screen. Confess your trespasses to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. For the last few weeks, I've been sharing about the fire of God's presence. I've shared uh, in several messages and I've written several blogs about the fire of God's presence and the fire of God's judgment. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, John the Baptist prophesies of one who would come who would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. Let's look at those two scriptures. Listen to what he says. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This kind of leapt off the page at me. I'd never seen it quite this way before. And I shared this Sunday morning. We are seeing the very beginning of this prophecy. Why would I say that? Why would I say something that, that was, was spoken by John the Baptist as if we're seeing just the beginning of that prophecy? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Because he's still baptizing with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And we see the beginning of the fulfillment of this word in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, when God moves, often it's a suddenly. But let's talk about suddenlies for a moment. A suddenly is something that happens immediately. It happens quickly. Suddenly God moves. Suddenly the wind came up. I remember some years ago, actually it was right after Bishop Ray and Karen and came to Maryland to visit us. Ray preached for us, and we took them down uh, to Fort McHenry, where the, where the fort that was bombed when the, when the Star Spangled Banner was written. It's a tremendous thing, and you go down, and if you go at the right time, every afternoon they, they bring the big flag down, and they fold it, and if children are there, they'll let the children help in that, and they'll give them a ranger badge, and, do, and we took them, and we did that. And right after that, there was a group that was on a water taxi there in the harbor. They will take from the inner harbor these pontoon boats that are water taxis, and they will go across the harbor and down, and they'll dock, and they'll get off at Fort McHenry. And on a beautiful day, on a beautiful spring day, and all of a sudden this tempest, this wind came up. It was like a microburst came up, and it overturned uh, the water taxi. And it just so happened that day that the Naval Reserve was out practicing, and they were able to pull several people out of the water, but several people drowned that day. And, of course, there was investigations and all of that that took place. But I remember Ray calling me after that to, to talk to me about that and to ask me about that. I mean, on a beautiful, clear day, all of a sudden a microburst takes place, and what was meant to be a fun trip with family becomes a tragedy, suddenly. But in Scripture, every suddenly is usually preceded by prayer when the day of Pentecost had fully come now if you read this you find out they were in prayer meeting for 10 days before every suddenly is travail before every suddenly is prayer persistent prayer suddenly just don't happen 
out of nowhere, but I believe we prepare the ground through prayer, and suddenly God comes. And usually when God comes, he don't come in the way that he's always come in the past. Sometimes it catches us a little off guard. It sweeps us off our feet, so to speak, because God just has that way about him. But it says suddenly, let's look at it, Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now you'll notice that I said we're in the beginning of the fulfillment of this word. Why? Because God is still pouring out His Spirit and baptizing people with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's not finished yet. Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. And it shall come to pass in the last days. How many of you believe we're in the last days? If these are not the last days, I don't know what the last days are going to be. But I believe we're in the last of the last days. But here's what he says will happen in the last days. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out of my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. We're living in those days. We're living in days that are candidates to be host and outpouring of God's spirit. God's not finished with his church yet. But he has a plan to pour out his spirit in these last days. So you and I have to position ourselves. We talked about that last Wednesday night. We have to position ourselves. How do I position myself? In faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We have to position ourselves in faith. How do I do that? I take God at his word. You said in your word that you would pour out your spirit in the last days. You said in your word that we would be candidates. That's your word. So by your word, I enter into that in agreement with that with my faith. Waiting on the Lord, posturing in faith, is not, you know, it's not waiting like I'm in the waiting room. That's not the waiting I'm talking about where you're waiting on somebody to respond or you're waiting like you're in a waiting room, waiting on them to call you back to the chair, call you back to the doctor, or call you back for the test that you've got to take. Waiting on the Lord is posturing in faith it is expectant faith saying at any moment the suddenly can come at any moment God's going to break through matter of fact it's such an expectancy that you're looking for God behind every door you're saying I believe he could be there I believe my breakthrough's right over there I believe I'm going to walk over there and see if that's my breakthrough you're looking for it you're searching for it it's not this thing well we're just going to see if you're going to straighten this out or not we're going to see if God moves or not no no it's an expectancy that says God is on the throne God is on the move God is working on my behalf I can't see it I can't feel it I can't put my arms around it but there's something down on the inside of me that says something is shifting in the heavens something is moving in the heavens therefore I'm going to see what God does in this last day come on somebody and give God praise we face with perplexing problems in our nation many of us in our own families that can only be changed by a touch of God's hand so I want to challenge you tonight to go deeper in your prayer life I believe there's power in prayer. God hears and answers the prayers of his people. And when you study the subject of prayer, you learn that God depends on us to ask him in faith believing to intervene in the lives of men and women. Prayer changes things. And more than that, prayer changes you and me. And I believe we have to position ourselves in prayer. 
With faith comes prayer. In faith comes prayer. Matter of fact, if I want to keep my faith strong, I got to stay in the Word and I got to stay in His presence. So we need God's intervention. When we pray, we are inviting the King of Kings, think about that, and Lord of Lords to intervene in our circumstances. We have a number of prayer requests today. All of us, if we took time tonight and went around the room, all of us would say, I need God to move in this area. I need God to move in this situation. All of us have prayer requests. People have great needs today. And I don't have humanly have the answer for many of those needs. Now, there's some things that we could look at and say, I think you could take this step or you could do that. But humanly, we don't have the answer for many of the perplexing problems that people are facing. But God is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And we can point men and women to him. So I believe the word of God has the answer. And I believe that you and I have to petition heaven to intervene on earth. Dr. C.M. Ward, he was a great preacher years ago in Pentecostal circles. He said this, he said, prayer is the highest form of communication. You know, they say that a lot of marriages break down because of a lack of communication. There's not communication between the spouses. We've got to keep the lines of communication open to heaven. And prayer is the highest form of communication. Our text tonight is found in James chapter 5, verse 16. And listen to what it says. I'm going to read the latter part of it. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. As I studied this passage, I believe there's several things that the apostle teaches about the power of prayer. Now, first of all, let's look at this from the Amplified Bible. Let me read it to you. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. Now, listen to what it says. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. I just want you to get a sense of what this scripture is saying. I like to read it in different translations. I like to look at it. I like to get a feel for what it's saying. The earnest, it's earnest, it's heartfelt, it's real, it's honest. Do you know you can be honest with God? You know you can take your questions to him. I've always heard over the years, don't, don't ever question God. Well, I've had more questions for God than I could write a book about my questions with God. We've all had questions. We all have things that happen. Man, we don't understand. We don't know why God's doing what he's doing. We don't understand the path he's leading us many times. But God knows what he's doing. And I believe you can be honest with him. I don't believe we question him in the sense that we know better than God. I don't believe we shake our fists in the face of God and say, God, you shouldn't have done that. I believe we can go with our sincere questions. We can go and we can say, Lord. And sometimes he'll answer us, but sometimes he don't. Sometimes he don't answer those questions because I don't know that we're equipped to receive all of the answers. They're earnest. It's heartfelt. It's real. That means it's real. When somebody speaks from the heart, that's real. I'd rather hear somebody that, that would speak from their heart and say something that's real than to have someone that has a silver tongue and eloquence and can, could, could just move people with their, with their voice. I'd rather hear what's real. Listen, what the world is clamoring for now is not more not oratorical skills and not silver tongue preachers. What the world's clamoring for is real, reality, something that's real, something they can get hold of heartfelt and it's continued it comes from a righteous man let me not get ahead of myself here but let's look at this tonight there's some lessons that this teaches us first of all 
I want you to look at the word effective, the effective fervent prayer, James 5, 16. Our prayers must be effective. How do we pray prayers that are effective prayers? Well, we pray the word of God. If you want to know God's will, find out what God's word says. God's will is revealed in God's word. And we pray the word of God over every circumstance that comes into our lives. Hosea, the Old Testament prophet, wrote these words. He said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We must meditate and memorize and rehearse the word of God. I don't know about you, but when I'm faced with a situation and I don't know how to pray about it, I go to the word. What does the word say about my situation? And I find out what the word has to say about it. I found out that I can trust the word more than I can trust human beings. I can trust the word more than I can trust my family. I can trust the word. And God will have a strategy in his word. And if you learn how to pray the word and pray the word. See, the Bible said that his word does not return void. But it accomplishes what it's sent out to do. So when I'm speaking the word, I'm speaking life. I'm speaking hope. I'm speaking salvation. I'm speaking resurrection. I might be speaking into something that's died, but I'm speaking resurrection power. Because, see, it's not my words, but it's the words of the living God that's coming out of my spirit, man. See, the word of God's not bound. (laughs) The word of God's anointed all in and of itself. It's inspired. See, I've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books. I've got way too many books. I brought boxes from home over here. And all them books are wonderful, and they're good, and they've got good things in them. And I can speak those books all day long, but when I speak this book, there's power in this book. It gets released out of this book because this book is anointed of the Holy Ghost. It's inspired by the Spirit of God. Holy men of God wrote as they were moved upon by the Holy Spirit and pinned down these beautiful words. So learn what the Word says. That's how you pray effective prayers. You pray the Word. What's the Word say about? The Word says, what's the Word say about grief? What's the Word say about depression? What's the Word say about sorrow? You know, there's a spirit of suicide that's been released in our nation, and it really flows out of COVID. Folks shut in, isolated. A lot of people who are dying are dying prematurely because they're isolated from the people they love. They're separated. And the enemy comes in those moments to move against them. But what's the word say? I put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. See, learn what the word says. There's power in the word. Prayer is communication with our creator. And God has established prayer as a means of communication. We talk with him. He answers us. And throughout the Bible, God has met with his people, communicated his will to them. Moses met with God. God gave him the law on Mount Sinai and defined his covenant with his people. So prayer is a meeting with God where we get to meet with the creator. Now think about it. You can't call the White House tonight and talk to the president, but you can dial heaven. What's the number? Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Effective prayer, but notice secondly is the word fervent, the effective fervent prayer. James says that our prayers are to be fervent. I believe God hears our prayers when we whisper his name or we pray silently in our hearts. I was doing some things today and I went out into my backyard and as while I was walking in my backyard, I was praying for some different people. But I was praying and I believe God heard those prayers. It was just a, a prayer between me and God. It wasn't a loud uh, thing that I audibleized in a loud voice. And look, I'm a Pentecostal. I understand that. And I believe God hears us when we whisper a prayer. We pray silently in our hearts. There are times when it's not appropriate to pray out loud or long. But James here is defining a prayer of desperation. It's a prayer filled with passion, 
Fervent means on fire. Whew. How many of you want to hear prayer that's on fire? Passionate, heartfelt. See, fervent means zealous, intense, or burning. Jeremiah said, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. I'm trying to be quiet, but I can't because there's a fire that's raging down on the inside of me. And sometimes that fire's just got to get loosed out of us. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. The Spirit-Filled Life Bible Commentary says it is that of a supplication having energy. Its effective prayer is characterized by earnestness, fervency, and energy. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for someone tonight who's passionate about prayer. Who's passionate about prayer. I remember Beth and I, we used to pray. Michaela was little. We were living on, in Perry Hall, Maryland, in Baltimore County. We later moved to Abingdon County. But we were living there. We had a living room that was a step-down living room. You had to step down into it. And Michaela would play in the other room. And we were down there in that family room. We'd pray. And she's just a little thing. She'd come in there and she'd say, y'all, y'all making too much noise. Y'all making too much noise. What was that? That was fervency. That was prayer. I'll never forget that. You're making too much noise in here, Daddy. Hallelujah. May we make noise and wake our children up. May we make noise and wake our grandchildren up. May we make noise. Because you see, when you do that, that's going to go with them all through their life. The Amplified Bible uses these terms. Heartfelt, persistent, dynamic, and tremendous prayer. Power. Cameron Thompson says this as prayers is spreading out of our helplessness and that of others in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ before the loving eyes of a father who knows and understands and cares and answers. Prayer is the breathing and panting of the spirit after God. It takes hold of the willingness of God rather than an overcoming of his reluctance. It is tuning in on the great thunderous 2,000 year old prayer meeting which now goes on in heaven above. Think about that. What is fervent prayer? Well, the New Living Translation says this in James 5.16. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I used to pastor a lady and I always felt like she had a call on her life. And we would call on her to pray a lot of times in church. And there was just something about she would stand up and pray. She could just touch heaven. When I was in Maryland, I pastored a group from Nigeria. And we would have different prayer times, and I would always ask them to participate in that. And there was one lady in particular. She's in heaven today. She's a smart lady. She was an attorney. Her dad was the chief of her tribe. I'd call on her, and I'd say, would you come and pray? You talk about prayer. That was the end of that service. Man, the Holy Ghost will move after that. They could pray. They were anointed. So I'm talking about a fervency. Power in prayer. We got men and women in this church that can pray. There's something about that heartfelt, that earnest. It's real. It's powerful. God awakened that in our hearts tonight. Then, thirdly, I want you to notice this. It's righteous prayer. Righteous prayer. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The key to answer prayers, it comes from a righteous man. Listen to me. The Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags. The Bible says if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord does not hear me. People often said, does God hear a sinner's prayer? God can hear anybody's prayer he wants to hear. I believe he hears repentant prayer. But if there's iniquity in my heart, well, I don't, this is not in my notes, but I just feel like I need to say, if there's iniquity in my heart, it hinders my prayers. On the best day of our life, we fall short. 
But aren't you glad we're not standing here tonight in our own righteousness? We're clothed in his righteousness. Listen to what Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesus 2, verses 8 and 9. And Larry put it on the screen for us. By grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Prayer is born out of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. God hears and moves to answers the prayers of his people. Prayer, I, I come to God based on the covenant that I have with him. You know, Jeff and Lisa haven't given me a key to their house. Neither is Tammy or anybody else in here. He didn't say, here's the key to my house. Just come over anytime. Refrigerator's full of food. Get whatever you want. I don't have that right. I'm pastor. We're friends. We love one another. But we're not in that kind of relationship. I haven't given none of you a key to my house either. I don't have that kind of right to come into your house because we don't have that kind of relationship. But my daughter has a key. My daughter has access to everything that I have. Why? Because she's my daughter and we're in relationship. My father's in heaven. Jesus is my elder brother. I'm an heir and a joint heir. Therefore, I have family rights and privileges to come to the throne of God. A stranger can't come. An acquaintance can't come. An ambassador from another nation can't come to a throne without an invitation or without certain protocol. But you and I can go into the throne room because we belong to him. We're in the family. Righteousness. Listen to what he's saying. It is by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So prayer is born out of my relationship. We're made righteous through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But look at Psalms 24, verse 3 and 4. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? The hill of the Lord was where the temple was built. It's the temple mount. I've been there. I've been to the western wall. And underneath the western wall are these tunnels that go all through underneath what now is the, the mosque of Omar and the Dome of the Rock and all of that. And you can go down to the original bedrock. And you know that is the original mountain. That's where the temple was built. And when you come through those tunnels, to me that was fascinating. I loved every minute of that. And when you come through those tunnels, you come to a place where there's an archway and it's bricked up. And there are people that are there praying. And they say, this is the spot that is closest to the holy of holies. That's what he's talking about. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in the holy place? Listen to what he says in the next verse. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who's not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. I believe if we're going to see God's intervention that we have to come clean with God. We're too comfortable in the church with sin. We've become too comfortable with it. We just, we're comfortable with it. And I'm not here to condemn people. I'm not trying to condemn anybody over the internet tonight who may watch this. But I'm here to tell you that we've got to come clean with him. Who may ascend his hill? We have to have clean hands and a pure heart. I know there are people that struggle. Man, I'm here to help people who struggle. I'm here to help people. Jesus is not in the business of pushing people down. He's in the business of lifting people up. Jesus is not in the business of running over people. He's in the business of lifting people up out of the ditch and bringing people up out of the sorrow and the sadness of their day. But I believe God is calling us to a place of personal holiness. Key word, I preached last week on five words that were key for this season. And one of those words is the word purity. Joshua 3, verse 5, sanctify yourselves, purify yourselves, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. 
Why does God want us to be a people who are holy, who, who live in, in, in purity and have a pure heart and clean hands? Why, why is that important? It's important for our own health, for our mental health, for our spiritual health, for even for our physical health. God wants you and I to be a holy people. And I think the word of the Lord in this hour is, I'm going to have a people who's pure, a people who are without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. That's who he's coming back for, a glorious church. We're not perfect, but God calls us to be holy. I believe it's Hebrews 12, 14. It's not in my notes, but it says this, follow peace with all men and holiness. Holiness. That's, that word's out of vogue today. And when people hear that, they, they think of legalism. No, it's, it's, a, it's a condition of the heart. And God wants a people who are pure-hearted. And listen, I know people, they struggle in areas, but man, they've got a good heart. And they're sincere towards the things of God. God can work with them. God can help them. And God's calling us in this hour into a new place of purity with him. You're going to see that. And there's going to be a separation in the world. The more you fall in love with Jesus, the longer you serve him and you walk with him, the more the things of the world just don't, the glitter and the glamour of it don't appeal to you. You know what I want in these last days? You know what I want to see? I want to see God's glory. That's what I want to say. I want to see God's glory. Do I want a much bigger church and more prestige? No, I just want to see God's glory. Now, there are things we need and there are things that we legitimately want. And I believe there are things that God will give us. But here's the key to getting them. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I want to see my family saved. I want to see people healed by the power of God. I want to see his glory. I want to experience revival. I don't want to read about it. I don't want to hear about it happening in Uganda or Guatemala, or somewhere else. I want to see it in Greenwood, in South Carolina, in Upper South. I want to see it in our region, in our area. I want to see it in our homes. Thank God what he does in Uganda, and Guatemala, and Panama, and Russia, and wherever. But God, do it right here in this church, in this community, in this city, in our homes, and in our lives. That's what I want to see in this hour. Let's go after God's what I'm saying. Let's not go after stuff. Let's not go after things. Let's not go after people. Let's go after God.